My mom died of cancer. My father died of heart disease. My brother was obese, borderline morbidly obese, diabetic, and ended up having three strokes and a heart attack. So after he had his early first stroke, to me, that was a wake-up call to think, oh man, I better get my affairs in order because I'm genetically cursed. That is Doug Evans, and this is Chasing Energy, episode number five. Here's a little bit about Doug. He is the former co-founder of Organic Avenue. In this interview, he mentions how they opened, I believe it's 10 of those restaurants. He also founded a company called Juicero. If you want to learn more about Juicero and what happened with it, you can listen to the Rich Roll podcast, which took place, I believe, a little over a year ago. He is channeling his enthusiasm and evangelism right now into Sprouts and as such has written The Sprout Book which is available wherever books are sold. Sprout Book is a little bit more of a like a reference guide. It has interviews with various doctors talking about the nutritional benefits of Sprouts. It has an entire section on recipes with Sprouts. I cook with Sprouts all the time. And I'm telling you, you can add them to at least one meal a day and they will enhance the flavor of the food. So here's a little bit about what this interview covers. We have Doug talking about how he grew up treating food as a reward and it led to sickness. He switches to a plant-based lifestyle. Doug has tips for which beans to buy that are best for sprouting, where he buys them, How to sprout chickpeas. Now, he emphasizes chickpeas because it is a very complete meal when you sprout a cup of chickpeas and the antioxidants, vitamin C, and fiber that results from that. And then we talk a little bit about broccoli sprouts. And one section I'm kind of proud of, I, I tease out of Doug, how he leverages living in the desert as a way to create focus and energy. And I think you might get an interesting takeaway from this. I have links to Doug's Instagram and his book in the show notes. I hope you enjoy them. I want to say one more time before we start, I was so grateful that Doug took a no-name Instagrammer who was pestering him, set aside an hour and chat with me. Just super grateful that he made that happen. I'm honored and I hope you enjoy the interview as much as I did. Doug Evans, thank you for joining Chasing Energy. I am so grateful for you to be here today. You have a very busy schedule and you have a lot to say. Thank you for taking the time to be here. It's my pleasure, Daniel. I love rewarding your initiative with my time. <laughs> it's it's the best type of barter. It's the best type of barter. This is the first time I've had someone else sit in on a podcast, but my cousin Michael here today, he's actually a, a pay it forward because I got him to start sprouting about a month ago. I've been doing it for about two years. He's been on it for about a month. So the evangelism is paying dividends in, in doses here. Genius. Exactly. All right. Well, we'll get, let's get into it, Daniel. Doug, you wrote the Sprout book. And in 2020, this is a time where access to fresh nutrition was very limited. This book served as a modern day treasure map to nutrition to help people guide and say, You don't have to go to Whole Foods to get the most nutritious things. Sometimes you can do it right in your kitchen counter. And this is a time where in 2020, a lot of people, that's all they had access to was their kitchen counter in New York or whatever. You talked about 
what you learned when you moved out into the desert was that within one square foot, you were able to provide nutrition. Tell us a little bit about what that looks like. Yeah, basically you get a bunch of glass jars. They could be mason jars or they could be recycled jars from a restaurant or um, ex-pasta sauce jars. I prefer glass that you add some seeds to or legumes, um, whether it's a tablespoon or a cup, depending on the variety. Add water and then you soak them and then you rinse them and then you start to have edible food in as little as 24 hours. And so it does take like one cubic foot, right? Not a lot of space. You can produce copious amounts, massive amounts of actually organic vegetables. And, and those are some of the insights that I had that really blew the, blew the roof off when I started to make the realization that sprouts were vegetables, vegetables were food. So for 25 years I've been sprouting, the greater portion of that 22 years, I looked at sprouts as a garnish, something that I love that were great, but as a garnish. But the necessity of living in the desert, moving away from big cities, New York, LA, San Francisco, meant the absence of organic grocery stores, the absence of vegan restaurants. So what can I do? I still have to survive. Being in a food desert meant that most people here get their food from a 7-Eleven, a gas station, McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's, Taco Bell. And to me, like those places are like, I, I would, I, I, I don't even know what to say, except, um, I won't go in them. So that's what really drove the sprouting thing for me was the mm -hmm. realization that sprouts are food, right? Because they're a vegetable. And, and I'm going to pause there and let you go on with your questions. Well, it very well answered by the way. And I love, I love that part of the journey is that you stepped away from, from the modern approach and it led you to a very simplistic solution. Let's, um, I'd like to hear, and, and I'd like you to share a little bit about what led you on the journey to health, some of the tipping points in your personal life that caused you to say, this is the way that I'm going to live my life. And this is the person who I am. I grew up in a lower middle income family with loving parents who we had a lot of scarcity in the house, you know, whether other kids were wearing Levi's. And we were wearing no-named jeans and kids had Converse and Adidas and Puma sneakers. And we would have what was referred to as Skips, non-branded. And, you know, when it came to food, everything was rationed because there was limited amounts. So when I got out of the army and I started to have some money in my pocket, I looked at food as a reward system for me. I could now... You know, I may not have been able to buy uh, a fancy car, but I could stuff my face, right? And I could have food. So for the years from my late teens, you know, like 18, 19, when I started to have money through my early 30s, I could pretty much go out to eat, whether it's a fancy 
steak restaurant, Italian restaurant, Vietnamese restaurant, what have you, and order most things on the menu and go into a food coma from overeating until I was stuffed. And I was only maybe 35 pounds, 36 pounds overweight. So I wasn't morbidly obese. I was just a little overweight, still semi-active. But what got me was my aunt got diabetes and they chopped off her feet below her ankles. Then my uncle got heart disease and died. Then my other uncle got heart disease and died. Then my other aunt had irritable bowel and colitis and all these other complications, which then resulted in cancer. Then she died. My mom died of cancer. My father died of heart disease. My brother was obese, borderline morbidly obese, diabetic, and ended up having three strokes and a heart attack. So after he had his early first stroke, to me, that was a wake-up call to think, oh man, I better get my affairs in order because I'm genetically cursed. And that was the reality that I was living in. And so it made me initially care less. Like, okay, it doesn't matter what I do because I'm going to die. And then I met someone who was on the whole food plant-based diet. They were a vegan, right? Not a junk food vegan, whole food plant-based vegan way back then in 21 years ago. And then within a two-week window, I went from street food, meat, dairy, chicken, animal products, candy, all sorts of chips and junk to vegetarian, vegan, then raw vegan. And that was in April, 1999. And the greater portion of that time, I've been raw vegan, living food vegan. And, you know, I, obviously I dropped the weight like boom. And then I got the energy. And then all of a sudden, you know, back at that time in New York, I was wearing all black. And my girlfriend would say, Doug, you know, it's not snowing outside, but I'd have all this dandruff all over, you know, the corners of my jackets and shirt, you know, from what I know now was, you know, that eczema and that dandruff is basically sugar in the body, yeast, fungus, you know, manifesting itself in poor skin. And I didn't know any of this. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nutritionist, right? I'm a, I'm an artist. And so I, learn these different things along the way. And so in 2002, after living this lifestyle for three years, I decided to put my money where my mouth was and make this available and accessible to other people. So we started a company called Organic Avenue in New York City, and mm -hmm. we were providing 50 fresh, ripe, raw, organic um, items soups, salads, entrees, desserts made available, you know, in a little retail store and the business was successful. And over a 10 year period, we opened up 10 more stores and they were busy all over Manhattan. Crazy to run this business when I look back at the logistics and what we did, but I learned a lot and we fed a lot of people healthy things. I saw transformation of health by people eating this lifestyle. And, but it was for the affluent people. Like a, a green juice was $10, a salad was $15, a gourmet, you know, quasi entree was $12. You know, a, a darn chocolate bar 
was $5. So everything was expensive and we still weren't making a lot of money on it because in our world, we were like the fresh world that we added no additives, no fillers, no preservatives, no food coloring. So imagine everything being fresh organic vegetables, plus the labor, plus the rent, plus the four-day shelf life that there was in, at times when we had 25% of the items we had to give away because we couldn't sell them on, on the expir expiration date. And fast forward to the desert, right? And taking the feedback of first me as my own uh, experiment, I went through the evolution of learning about sprouts. And the first thing that I learned was, wow, vegetables are good for you. Sprouts equal vegetables. Sprouts aren't just a garnish. Sprouts are vegetables. Mm -hmm. The second thing I learned about sprouts were that not only are they vegetables, they're powerhouse vegetables, and they contain concentrated amounts of micronutrients, phytonutrients, polyphenols, bioflavonoids, prebiotics, probiotics, proteins, all the individual amino acids, that they were nutrition powerhouses, that everything that existed in the plant kingdom existed in the sprouts. Wow, right? So that was the second realization. And then the third one, and look, any of your listeners on this are going to think like, oh, this is woo-woo. This guy's full of shit. You know, um, don't listen. And I encourage you, do your own homework because the third thing I'm going to tell you is really powerful. Sprouts are medicine. They're not a cure-all. Sprouts are medicine. And yeah. there's over a thousand research papers from top medical institutions and universities researching the cancer-killing properties of cruciferous vegetables, in particularly broccoli, and even further particular broccoli sprouts, because they contain these, um, this compound called sulforaphane, and it, the, the, the cruciferous vegetables have the precursor glucoraphanin, and when they meet the enzyme. It's almost like fusion that occurs and turns out it kills cancer cells. It, it creates the heat shock proteins, you know, for children with autism. And obviously when you look at some of the greater issues, those are acute issues. You look yeah. at the greater systemic chronic issues like diabetes, obesity, and heart disease. It's already been proven the positive impact of whole food, plant-based diet on, um, on those chronic illnesses. Well, sprouts are just like fit right in there, right in they there absolutely for do. pennies of serving. There's a lot to unwrap there, Doug. What I want to highlight first is how, when you started, you said you started from this modest house in a place of scarcity, and then you lived, you got to a place of excess, but then you learned from that and said something that's very powerful, which is excess because all of us, if you get, if you're fortunate enough to get to that point in life where you have excess, we are groomed to think that excess somehow equals fulfillment. And you got to that point of excess and you said, this is not serving me. And then you went back, you chose to go back to a place of scarcity, but it was a, a choice, right? Well, when I don't think it's scarcity. I think it's abundance. Like I'm living in an abundant world. And, and what I did was I stepped back and I, I realized that the only 
reason I thought that those processed foods and, yeah, and gourmet and let me, dinners. Yeah. Let me elaborate. When I say scarcity, I, I probably should elaborate. I meant the excess, to, the excess of availability of food and, and even of other resources didn't necessarily make you happier. It was, it was going back to what were the core tenets of you being a healthier and happier Doug. And that helped going on that journey allowed you to focus on the core of what made Doug a more functional, happy person. Well, I, I think there's enough evidence that talks about contribution and service. Mm -hmm. And I felt that when, you know, so many people beat themselves up, right? They're just hard on themselves, right? I had someone over the other day, you know, they broke a glass, you know, and I'm like, you know, whatever, it's $5, I'll buy another glass, it's no big deal. And they're like so upset about it. Yeah. And, and, and I was like, you know, how would you act if I broke the glass? And they go, well, not so upset. I said, well, you know, just pretend I broke the glass, okay? Just let it go. And so I, I think and I really believe that um, what was excess was actual um, addiction and mm -hmm. poison. Right. And, and now what I, what I believe in, you know, in, in the practice is be aware of what my cravings are. Absolutely. Be, be aware of what I'm clinging to. Yeah. Right. And be aware of what my aversions are. Yeah, I know um, one thing that uh, Rich Roll talked about in, in his book, Finding Ultra, was how the mitochondria in your stomach are trained to crave whatever you eat. Ergo, you eat Ben and Jerry's a couple of days in a row, you begin to crave that. And what gets me is that when people say, but this is what I'm craving, so I must need it. I go, no, this is the way you've trained your body to think, right? I, I don't want to digress in the excess anymore than, but, than we have, but one thing I have to tell my son from time to time is this is the first time that I know of in human history where humans have had an excess of food. Now, I didn't say nutritional food. I just said it's the first time in human history where, where overeating kills you. There's no other time in human history that I've ever heard of that men were dying because they were just eating. Yeah. I mean, look, I think we, we're, we're, you know, the way that the world is laid out right now, we have we have more people dying from obesity and chronic illnesses than we do of starvation. Um, but we still have a great portion, you know, tens of thousands of people dying daily around the world from malnutrition and starvation. And my belief is that, you know, for us to be happy, we can't turn to blind eye. We have to think yeah. about all of these things, you know, on, on a very macro level. And, and that's where, you know, part of my, you know, you mentioned Rich Roll. Um, when I launched the book, I went on Rich Roll's podcast yeah. and great podcast. I love Rich. Incredible. I also went on Marianne Williamson's podcast to talk about food poverty and food equality. Yeah. And, and I just want to differentiate the two there because malnutrition and food scarcity are two different things in some respects because you have people who are eating lots of food, but they're malnourished. Right. right. Because, and Why? Because it's only a buck to go buy a, a box of processed food at the store yeah. well, as that, opposed. Yeah. I mean, I think that's where um, I am a huge proponent of people doing their own homework. Yeah. And that's why I'm saying this book is a treasure map to nutrition because it's not going to give you the sprout. 
It's going right, to say right. all you need is some jars and some seeds and you can create enough nutrition in your kitchen on a daily basis to serve all your basic needs. Right. For pennies a serving. Yeah. For pennies a serving. One of the things I had in here from your book on page 80, you mentioned that legume and bean sprouts are the easiest. And I have to agree. I've done a lot of different types of sprouts over the last couple of years. And the bean sprout mix from True, True Grain Market, I think it is. Uh, True Leaf. Yeah. True Leaf. That bean sprout mix of all the things that people who hear this podcast and go, I can't do sprouts. It's a, get the bean sprout mix because it is a no brainer. And in three or four days, you will have these beautiful sprouts you can throw on anything. Or, or like you said, it's not necessarily garnish. You can eat them straight. Yeah. And look, I, I mean, I agree with you. And I would say if you want even simpler, just buy the 35-pound, five-gallon bucket of French lentils. French lentils. Okay. So do these, that was my next question for you. Do, when With sprouting things like lentils, do they need to be like from a specific... Uh, do they have to be verified for sprouting or can they just be regular lentils? I mean, look, I will not stand on ceremony. I think lentils, you know, basically want to be sprouted, right? And grow into, you know, lentil plants. The reality is um, I recommend and I, I pursue getting organic, non-GMO, sprouting and, and legumes, seeds, mm -hmm. And I want them to be tested for high germination rate, right? And tested for pathogens. So I need that trifecta. Tested for pathogens, high germination rate, organic, non-GMO. And you can get any of those three or all of those three. And I go for all those three because in volume and in bulk, they're low, low cost enough and, to, and to that's just get yeah. there. So when you talk about the big bag of lentils, tell me, give me an idea where you get those. Like two dollars a pound, and they'll make five pounds, you know, of lentils from a cup. I mean, the 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 numbers are astronomical. Oh, they're they're great in, in in our favor. So what's important is to just get people on the sprout train, like just get them sprouting. Okay, so can you mention your resource for those lentils? Yeah, I mean, right now. I'm sprouting, um, you know, uh, open, right? So I, I put the criteria. Um, there are companies in the U.S., you know, like True Leaf Market, like Sprout Man, like Sprout People, like mm -hmm. Johnny Select Seeds, that these people maintain high standards. And also, I will say that there are people that are affluent, right? And for them, it's more convenient to go to the store and buy sprouts. And, you know, if you've got the $3 and you, and, and you have a choice, that's the best $3 you can make. People used to tell me, oh my God, your green juice is $10. That's expensive. I was like, when was the last time you were in a bar club, nightclub, restaurant, and you ordered a cocktail? Yeah. Right? So, so it's a matter of choices. People need to make choices. And for me, it, I used to tell people what to do, Daniel. I swear, I wanted everybody to eat healthy like I do. And yeah. now what I'm saying is like, hey, do whatever you're going to do, but be open to sprout consciousness because it's easy and it's healthy. And, and, and that's what I love about your message. It's, it's very 
hard to pick apart your message because you don't tell people what to eat. You tell them just add sprouts to your diet. Absolutely. You're you're sidestepping. You're basically sidestepping everyone who wants to go. But what about this? And what about this? It's like, look, whatever your diet is, add sprouts to it and you're going to be a healthier person. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. All right, Daniel, let's keep going. All right. So chickpea chickpea sprouts, you love to talk about the protein content in chickpea sprouts. So I wanted to give you a talk about a cup of chickpea sprouts for me and what the process to sprout those is like. I mean, you you take the chickpeas, the high quality organic sprouting chickpeas, also known as garbanzo beans. You take a cup of them and you put them in a, a two liter, a half gallon jar. Then you add about three or four cups of water. And within eight hours, they will absorb that water. You then drain the water, strain the water. You can use a colander. You could use cheesecloth. You could use a special screen for the jar. And you add those on top. And then you rinse them twice a day. Leave the jar inverted so air will go in and out. Yeah. And then like a single cup of garbanzo beans, depending on which source you look at for nutrition, Mm-hmm. has 350 to 400 calories in one cup of garbanzo beans and 20 to 30 or more grams of protein plus fiber plus antioxidants that that rather than getting a protein supplement that's been extruded and processed and dissected and preservatized you know add some legume sprouts to your smoothies, to your soups, to your meals, to your salads, and you will get, you know, you'll, you'll solve it all. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit more about nutrition. With COVID, you hear a lot of bit about vitamin D deficiency. And one of the things I wanted to highlight was which sprouts are your go-to for vitamin D? I mean, I take my shirt off at noon and go outside. Yeah. Right. I, I love I, it. I, I think that Vitamin D and vitamin B12, um, you should either supplement. And I mean, it's so interesting that like so many people say, well, I get my vitamin B12 from eating meat. Well, it turns out the the feed that they feed the meat, whether it's the chicken or the cows, is supplemented with B12 anyway, right? So, and vitamin D, I think the best source of vitamin D is to get outside, you know, and roll up your sleeves or just expose your, you know, expose as much skin as possible you know, to the sun. Yeah, I actually heard a, a great interview with a neuroscientist the other day, and he said sun exposure within two hours of your wake time will trigger a 16-hour 16 hour melatonin release so that in 16 hours from you getting up, you will naturally get tired and fall asleep by, by making sure you're exposed to the sun shortly after you get up. So it kind yeah, of resets. I, the reason I'm pointing that out is, I'm I'm with you 100%. Vitamin D is the way to go, but it's it's more important than just that. It's like as I get older, rest, the quality of my rest becomes very critical to my performance and setting that alarm internal alarm clock is is a nice byproduct of of that yeah, sun. Terrific, Daniel. So, uh, just as a footnote there, sunflower sprouts um are a big source of vitamin D and radish sprouts uh big source of vitamin C and vitamin A and 10 times more calcium than a potato. Yeah. Well, look, you talk about nutrition. When you take lentils and you sprout them, right, in, in four days, you double the antioxidant levels, mm-hmm. you triple the vitamin C levels, 
and you quadruple the fiber, right? right? I mean, with a simple household lentil, as it goes through the metabolic transformation from a legume into a vegetable. Absolutely. Absolutely. Michael, did you want to ask the question about schools? Yeah, Doug. Uh, my wife's an elementary teacher, and uh, I didn't know if you've heard any programs out there where they uh, teach kids how to sprout in school, where they would allow them to grow and eat sprouts as part of their like classroom. I mean, I have not heard of that official. I do know many schools, you know, have sprouting as part of their early science class, you know, where kids are taking a few seeds, putting them in, in cotton balls or paper towels and watering them and checking them out. But I think that the curriculum about sprouts as food, sprouts as nutrition, sprouts as medicine has yet to be created. And it's something I, I'm seriously you know, thinking about putting real energy yeah, into Yeah, you need it. to write a kid's book, Doug. Let them, let them learn the basics of that. Get them while they're young. Yeah, yeah I, I, I like, like that, that idea. idea. I, like I like that, that idea, idea, Daniel. All right. So I appreciate you taking the time to answer that. As far as your go-to for energy. Now, I've heard you say wheatgrass juice. I want to I ask you a question because when I, when I grow wheatgrass in my microgreen tray, I just cut it and throw it in the Vitamix and blend it up and drink it pretty much. And I don't know if that's bad, but I do run it through the a little bit of filter. But when you blend it through Vitamix, it's pretty much all there. Is there any downside to that uh, other than the extra fiber? No, I think that, you know, we only have one stomach, right? Cows have four stomachs. So the digestive process of a normal um, blade of grass because of the insoluble fiber, right? Mm -hmm. And the cellulose, that the real valuable stuff for us, for humans on wheatgrass, is the extraction of the water molecules from the cytoplasm so that you're actually getting the chlorophyll and the vitamin C and all the liquid freshness. The insoluble fiber will just help you give a, have a good poop. Yeah. Right, some good food for the microbiome. Mm -hmm. um, Depends on the size and, you know, the leaf and how you're chopping it. But it's fiber. Fiber's good. Fiber's good for the microbiome and it's good okay. for pooping. What are, what are the most underutilized varieties and sprouts that most people don't, don't look into or, or even think about that you would I think recommend? out of the science community, people are unaware of broccoli sprouts and their incredible, you know, um, potency and yeah, powerful. Yeah, I think... I think it's becoming, especially with the broccoli sprouts, because like Dr. Rhonda Kilpatrick has been preaching on the broccoli sprouts and putting out videos lately. And it turns out you can actually increase the sulforaphane if you freeze them and then just throw them in by freezing yeah. them. You... I mean, look, I think, I think uh, Dr. Patrick has a, a big audience, but mm -hmm. relatively speaking. Oh, uh, no, I'm not. I, relatively speaking, the first thing I get when I talk about sprouts is, aren't you afraid you're going to get mold and die? And I said, you know, I've been sprouting for two years. I've never had a problem. Yeah, I've been sprouting for 25 years. I speak to thousands of people around the world on sprouting. I have yet to hear, not saying it's impossible, I've yet to hear of a case of foodborne illness derived from home sprouting. Yeah, yeah. And you're, you know, as with anything, if you're at a farmer's market or something, and you buy some greens, your eyes and nose are going to tell you which ones aren't the freshest anyway. Yeah, I mean, I mean it, you know, it's... The, the organoleptically, you know, the sensory, like it, 
it all it all goes. Look, if your if your sprouts smell bad or funky, don't eat them. You mm -hmm. want to wash them. You want to rinse them. You want to get good sources. I yeah. think you, I'm much more concerned with um, the other chronic illnesses than I am that. Okay, so let's let's, let's talk, talk about, about focus real quick because I heard uh -huh. you say the other day how much some of the habits that you do in order to get absolute focus. And one was you mentioned was your hot springs routine. Can you tell us a little bit about how what gives you an edge in your life as far as focus? I, I think, you know, for the greater portion of my life, you know, I was immediacy, action, pouring things on, right? And what what's helped you, you me, are from New York, Doug. So I, I get it. I get it. What's helped me is to be able to look at the macro picture to see who I can encourage to do some of the things that they can do, right? And have a fair exchange, a la pay them, trade them, or something to do the things so that I can focus on the things that uniquely I can do. Like I I can organize and train someone to rotate and nurture my eight sprouting jars that I got going on right now in the sprout kitchen, right? I can, no problem, I can do that. I cannot, at this stage, outsource someone to go on your podcast, right? And it's important for me to be able to show up, you know, fully present, aware of my message, well-researched, no hyperbole, and deliver that. So one of the things is that quiet mind, right? And when, when I, we all have a monkey mind, at least I have the monkey mind, you know, a lot of chatter in, in the brain. When I'm in the hot springs, or if you don't have a hot spring, you could take a, a bath with some Epsom salt. When you're in a hot bath, it's an immersive experience and you can relax. And when you're relaxed, and you're not putting out fires and playing whack-a-mole, you can think about bigger, bigger picture, bigger mm -hmm. items, more contribution. Look, it's, it's very easy to respond to emails, text messages all day long, right? Yeah. It was hard to write a 60,000 word, 288 page book. That was hard. And that took discipline. And I applied discipline in order to be able to do that. And it took confidence to deal with the rejections I got until I was able to get the interviews that I need for the book. You think it's easy to interview Dr. Oz, Deepak Chopra, um, Mark Hyman. I mean, these uh, Dean Ornish, Joel Kahn, these are busy people. But what, yeah. what was worth it to, to reach out and contact all those people you know, Dr. Josh Axe, the keto giant, right? Dr. Mark Hyman, functional medicine, Dean Ornish, Joel Kahn, plant-based. They, what they had in common is they all love sprouts. Yeah. They all love sprouts. They all could have written the sprout book. Every single yeah. one of them had that much information about writing the sprout book. You know, interviewed, I had, I interviewed Joel Furman that I, I was privileged to have Joel Furman, the, the New York Times bestselling author of Eat to Live, write the, the foreword to my book, right? And like, that was a big ask. He doesn't know me from Adam, right? But I told him and I, I gave him the pitch. So it looks like I make things look like they're easy,
but I had the energy to ask. I had the confidence to deal with the rejections, the okay. unanswered emails, unanswered phone calls, et cetera. And then it's the law of averages. So you have to plant many seeds in order to get a few of them to sprout, to then get the abundant harvest. Nice, nice metaphor there. The sort of underlying implication there is you knew what your mission was. So it gave you the energy to, to execute and, and be resilient against the adversity in any of these things. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. This has been great, Doug. Uh, I would love to chat with you some more sometime. I'm so grateful that you shared your, your message with our audience today. Buy the book, the Sprout book. To, uh, I've, I've mine right here, Doug. I've, I've given out like four copies of this book, by the way. I appreciate and, it. And I want to tell uh, the listeners, this is not a book that you need to open up the front and read straight to the back. You can literally pick a section and go, this is what I want to learn about and skip straight to the punch. It's not something that necessarily you have to start at the beginning, finish the end. It's a reference guide. It has all sorts of great information. And like you said, you reached out to a lot of different resources. You cite a lot of different scientific studies. This is not just, in my experience, it's, it's very much backed by science. And it's a neglected part of, of the diet in, that we have today. And the reason is because it's not easy to commercialize sprouts. They're not, exactly. they, don't, they do not have a good shelf life. They're, they're hard to get into the store and, you know, supply chains and things like that. So, Doug, I just wanted to say thanks again for meeting with us today. How would you prefer that people reach out to you or follow you? I would say Instagram is my primary mm -hmm. channel, right? Doug yeah. Evans on Instagram. And also um, sign up on my email list at thesproutbook.com, sproutbook.com. Yeah, and for those listening, if you know nothing at all about Sprouts, just spend a, an hour on Doug's Instagram and you'll know everything you need to do to get a kitchen set up firsthand. All right. Hey, Daniel, Michael, great to see you guys again. You're the best. Signing out. Thanks for fishing this one. I hope you got something out of it. Are you going to give Sprouts a try? Should you give Sprouts a try? I think you should. All it takes is a mason jar. And like he said, a little bit of a screen on top. There's some adapters they sell on Amazon for this type of thing. If you want to follow Doug and maybe message him and tell him, that was the best podcast I've ever heard in my life. Who is the host? You have my blessing. Feel free. Until then, until next time, until next Tuesday, thank you so much for listening. This is Daniel Lucas with Chasing Energy, giving you stories, tools, and insights to help you fuel a life worth living. Take care.